Uh, out of 10, what would I give Tenet? Yeah. Okay. Um, I only watched it once, and I was high, and I was in that stage. Are you sure you were high? And it wasn't just the movie? I, I really can't tell, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I was in that stage where I get very critical of stuff. Like, I know it's weird, and I'm not sure if this happens to other people. Like, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll get high and I'll be like, oh, like, you know, this thing is so cool, and I'll enjoy everything about something I watch. But other times, You're just I just dick. get super critical. I'm like, I could fucking tell they're acting and all this other <laughs> stuff. And I mean, this movie, you could just tell that regardless, I feel. <laughs> you know, the dialogue was set up just for the other people to react to it, and everybody knew. Multiple times, they specifically tell us not to question the logic of the universe, that they're just exposition dumping they're like, at just us. just fucking let it happen, uh, all right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think about it. You feel it. What the fuck? What do you mean? I don't I feel it. I've never been introverted before. Haven't we all? What? Huh? What? <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, and what was the other thing about it that really stuck out to me? Oh, that it was Christopher Nolan wanting to do a James Bond film, and it was uh, very much like... You know, you have to get this piece of art, but in order to get that piece of art, you're gonna have to go through this step, that step, and that step, and it's gonna right. look really good on camera. It's like, all right, now you gotta get this bullet, but in order to find out where that <laughs> bullet came from, you gotta get to this impossible time. Like, well, that's the thing about Nolan. Aside from like Dunkirk, which even like he did in its own unique way, like his films can't ever be very straightforward. It's just like, yeah, he wanted to do James Bond, but it had to be like uh, with like reversing time and like all this weird shit just like you know inception even though i do love that film he wanted to do like a heist film but it had to be a dream heist film you know like well he yeah just... the difference is he pulled that off yeah <laughs> that's, the, that's the difference in my that, opinion i think that film just had uh i think overall a stronger cast i think it had you know a stronger, stronger narrative characters for sure yeah, yeah and and you know th- this film I think you, when you text me, like, he's so pretentious. And Nolan totally is very pretentious. You know, I, I think he loves films. Like, he loves filmmaking so much, right? Like, he's the guy that's like, you have to see it in theaters. You got to see it in IMAX. And there's something to be appreciated about that, right? Because he really loves the art. And you don't have a lot of filmmakers that are that are like that, right? And he's constantly pushing his own vision instead of just kind of selling out and doing whatever, you know, people want to make money. Even, like, his Batman films are very unique, right? But... I think it it gets to a point sometimes where like he should have known when they wrote this film that it wouldn't translate well. I just feel like it, it would have been a cool like comic book maybe, but it just just wasn't uh, it wasn't a good movie. And like the first half of the film, you have no idea what's happening. My girlfriend walked out after an hour and a half. She was like, "I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't even care." <laughs> and so I was like, "I guess I'll finish the shit on my own." And then like I did love the last forty-five minutes. I think it, the ending's really good. I think Robert Pattinson is actually pretty good in it, uh, even though he's not in it probably enough. But like it, it's just it's just a weird movie that doesn't really engage you for a while. Yeah, I will definitely watch it another time. Uh, you know, just to, just because like you know Nolan makes movies that need to be watched multiple times. Like that's just kind of his thing, and you know you catch more stuff every time you do and whatever. Uh, so I'll definitely watch it again. But at out of ten, like oh man, this movie like all right, out of five, probably a two. <laughs> I'd give it all a right, two out right. of five. Two out of five, four out of ten. How about that? Ooh, <laughs> brutal. I would have given it a six out of, out of ten and a two point five out of five, I think. 
Um, right, I think because on a filmmaking level, like everything looks really cool. I just think the plot and and the acting isn't up to par. But uh, I I definitely really love the ending. Like the the whole way the ending sets everything kind of up that happened before it is really cool. I just wish that you understood things a little sooner because you're again you're like what the fuck is happening the entire movie until that last forty five minutes or so. But they said they might even do a sequel, which would be interesting. Would it be called uh, Race Car? Because it's a palindrome? <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I, I, a sequel would probably work better. Because now that they've established what he does, it could probably work. You know what I mean? Like, if you know yeah, what you're going into. Stuff, and, yeah, you know, you know like, what they're going to do in the film. Like, I think it could probably work. Really, like, it could be like, they could do movies where it's just, like, various adventures through time. Where yeah, he's, like, you know. Like, I spy, but, like, as a movie experience. You go <laughs> Here you like, go. Oh, like, they're having this conversation. Oh, that window is cracked next to them. How did that window crack? You know, I'm going to keep an <laughs> eye out for that later on in the movie. Like, you could have fun with it. You, I would definitely appreciate a sequel more than I appreciated this film. Uh, Agreed. Especially because I have an idea of what the protagonist is now. Or sorry, yeah. of, of who protagonist is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I should say it exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so, you know, I... It's it's definitely not a bad film. It just it just wasn't up my alley. Uh, my my but, favorite line I think was Robert Pattinson's like I think he says something like this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, uh, and I, I thought that was great. That was that was funny. Well, he's and he says like this is just the end like the ending for me. Yeah, but just or the beginning yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. They have a, they have that. It's so, interesting. It was good. It was it was it was all right. It was all right. Um, <laughs> I've also uh, I've also been getting into. Mortal Kombat stuff pretty deep ever since the movie came out, and I nice, nice. didn't really appreciate that movie <laughs> either. So, uh, but I watched the whole Legacy series on HBO Max. That thing was lit. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. They did some really cool stuff, and you know, actually stayed pretty true to the canon and did did their own thing. And I, that was back when like all these like YouTube web series were like doing like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. We even got that like Power Rangers short film. Like there was a lot of. A lot of YouTube oh, uh, stuff right. coming yeah. out that was trying to like revive these old series since they hadn't been done justice really, like in live action films and stuff. So it was we cool. Do something like that. There you we go. Revive Beverly Hills Ninja, so I so can have a fat martial artist. And I can <laughs> no, 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 we need to, we need to do something that's <laughs> never been like or like it was an adaption to live action. We need to do like a Doug. video game. We got to do like we Frogger, do Doug, the animated series. And, um, <laughs> there you go. You know, and it's like a, it's a pretty thing where like Roger Klotz is like constantly beating on them. And actually, no, I was about to go to a Yu-Gi-Oh! storyline oh, for some oh, reason. Uh, uh, anyway. I, I've been going into Resident Evil Village, which has been awesome. Very. Lady Dimitrescu, how thick is she? Tell me. <laughs> uh, she's, pre- she's pretty intimidating, honestly. I know like there's all the jokes about like, you know, like, yes, mommy, please. But she fucking scares the shit out of me. She's very tyrant-like uh, or Mr. X-like, like Resident Evil 2. And she okay, just okay. wanders around looking for you. And it's fucking scary. Because she's gigantic. But there's a, there's a mod somebody put out for their computer uh, where you can get a fly swatter and you can spank her. And it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, does... Do her cheeks jiggle though? Uh, no, they haven't gotten that far yet, but hopefully Damn they'll it. get there. What is they'll this all there. for? I know. What, a, what I is know. what is Bill Gates molesting children with Jeffrey Epstein for? If you can't get this game on the Xbox <laughs> and 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 see Lady Dimitrescu's cheeks jiggle because she's thicker than a bowl of oatmeal, this is ridiculous. Uh, I know, I know. Um, but 
I do have to finish the last game though. I didn't know it was a it was a, it was a sequel, like a direct continuation with the same character. Oh, it's like, literally yeah, yeah. You're still playing Ethan Winters. I guess he's the new main character, unfortunately, because he's bland as fucking anything. He's like he's like white people food. Uh, I can say that because my <laughs> my parents cooked white people food my whole life, and it was horrible. Uh, but yeah, she's she's just like he's just so bland, and there's like all these amazing Resident Evil characters. Some of them are really over the top, but they're just so much more fun than him. And to not throw, you know what I mean? And like, they they have like little moments where you, you haven't beaten seven, but like you'll you'll like meet like a character for like a second. And you're like, oh, why aren't they in it more? You know? And uh, it, but it, it's also Resident Evil Four. It's totally Resident Evil Four continued. You're in like a village, like a a Romanian village where everyone has American accents. I was going to say, I was going to say, what, eth- what ethnic village are we destroying in this it's, game? It's totally <laughs> Romania, but everyone has Jeez. an American accent. Like, what is this fucking outside of doing over here? And I'm like, what is happening? What, why is this, why is this old Romanian guy got a New York accent? But, uh, my grandma I, I, got hit by a car and put a curse on the guy's face. He said, yeah. dinner. The guy was in his street. Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> he bought a thing. But, uh, and, and like, it, it's so, <laughs> Resident Evil 4 down to like literally there's like a moment where you're like you have to fight until a certain bell rings and all the enemies disappear just like the beginning of Resident Evil 4 uh, you can shoot like diamonds off like the ceiling and the wall there's hidden like gems around you can combine them to sell them um, there's a merchant and he even if you like hang out like by him long enough he goes what are you buying <laughs> that's what an old friend of mine used to say Oh so, no! Like, he says that's what a friend of mine used to say. Yeah, he they lean oh, into rough. it fucking hard. That's a bit much. It was actually really funny though. It was it was done really well because he's kind of a very joke character. So, all right, if you say so, Ty. But tread lightly. You're on thin ice here. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. I don't know why there's vampires and werewolves yet, but uh, fuck it. You know, it's not Resident Evil anymore. It's just some horror game with some Resident Evil characters. Oh, oh. Uh, are there dragons and werewolves yet? Because that was an awesome book. <laughs> there is kind of a dragon. So. <laughs> oh god. I'm not. I'm not ready for that. Oh, uh, last last plug I want to put in since we're on uh, bullshit games we're into and just what what we can fucking find some sort of happiness in in this world uh i've also decided to download the most recent mortal kombat game mortal kombat 11 and it is like surprisingly the most feminist game that i've played in a very long time <laughs> uh all of the all of the like next generation of earth realm protectors are like the daughters of of the original cast of characters and um there it's all this stuff about like you know, Raiden being held accountable and not being a perfect dude, and you know he's kind of toxic and shit, and it's it's pretty nuts. Uh, and there's time travel too. Uh, not to go back to the whole tenant thing, but uh, I I always love me some time travel when it's when it's done well, and they, and they they do they do fun things with it in, in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's 11, the implications, so. you know. What I'm going to imply is that we uh. We got to get on with the episode, and we have to figure out how many reviews we've had this week. Ty, you are always great at lending your your insight, your your sixth sense, if you will. Right, to, right. Let me to tell us how many reviews you think we have this week. Let me focus my energies, uh, open my third eye, and I'm gonna say negative one plus one. Wow. Was that your exact guess last week or no? I think last week it was two minus one. Or maybe it was this sure. one. Oh, boy. Who knows? Point is, you are. I'm actually correct. in last week. Maybe I'm, I'm not <laughs> traveling. 
Oh, yes. We already did a, t- a you time traveling bit. That's how much I love time traveling is that it's come up twice in the podcast at this point. You're inverted, Ty. You're just... <laughs> and Jeez. here's my co-host, Ty. <laughs> what if you got stuck inverted and you couldn't figure out how to go back? These are the questions I have. You mean how to go one. forward? Yeah, I guess go forward, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that would fucking suck. But you're right, Ty. Uh, we have zero new reviews this week, which also fucking sucks. But if you want to have your <laughs> review read at the top of the podcast, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Uh, as I've said before, many people have taken to critiquing us and negging us um, with their yep. reviews. Uh, but we have low self-esteem, so it will work 100%. And we'll read it, even if you say we suck. Trust me, we'll read it. Oh, we 100% will. We might even spend 20 minutes just fighting you on... On, on your opinions. Uh, but uh, with that, uh, just know that you can listen to us anywhere, not just on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on YouTube sometimes. You can find us uh, on social media, on Twitter at PolitipopPod. I just want to get this out of the way. Instagram at PolitipopPodcast. And you can always email us at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find our show notes and sources at PolitipopPodcast.wordpress.com. In case you're wondering where we're coming up with our stuff, we always put our show notes and sources at that at that link. And I think that just about covers it. Ty, are you ready to bring in that sweet, sweet theme song? Oh, I'm ready for it. Welcome back to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of our favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. This is our second Bat Month episode, and I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the Soy Boy Pseudo-Intellectual, a.k.a. You know, let's just do it again, ACAB, all cops are Batman. And in my co-host so seat, as always, is my man Ty. Hello, fellow Bat fans. Hello. And for those of you who aren't Bat fans, welcome to this too. We are continuing our our Bat Month coverage, whereas uh, you know Bat Batman Day is one day in this month that I'm not even going to name off the top of the show because I'm so casual I don't know it. Uh, <laughs> but consider myself a super fan at the same time. Uh, but we've decided to to make every week a Batman centric episode. And last week we continued our our Sean Gordon Murphy praise by reviewing White Knight, and we are going to finish his his series by reviewing Curse of the White Knight and also reviewing Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. The oh my god, you're gonna hate me. Why am I gonna hate? What did you? <laughs> What did you delete? What did you do? This is hilarious. They actually moved Batman Day this year. Wait, is it not in May? <laughs> is it in September? It's, it's in September now, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so so here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm pretty sure I knew it was in September because like, I always get the Batman-specific stuff in September. It definitely used to be in oh. May. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, Whatever. We're just doing a Batman month. We're just doing a fucking Batman <laughs> month because the podcast won't be here in May. How about that? Uh, yeah. How about that? All right. <laughs> Man, I guess I'm I'm quitting in August, <laughs> so I want to do Batman month. That's that's that is I fucking trolled everybody, including you. You put in your four months' notice, and you are you are on your way out. <laughs> 
sorry. That's hilarious to me. This is, uh, <laughs> this is pretty fucking ridiculous. <laughs> well, I'm sure the seven people that listen don't know when Batman Day is anyway. And that's how we're going to get all our reviews right now. We're going to have like five reviews. Right. I know what Batman Day is. Fuck you, Ty. Yes. All right. You know what? We should just we should just frequently dispense <laughs> false information in hopes that people review us and, and, and just reply and call us out. And they're like, hey. This can totally be. It can be our, our, our thing. This is our thing now. Oh, good. Well, like really piss off Batman fans and be like, like, of course, Batman begins when Christopher Nolan welcomed a new Alfred, played by Michael Goh, for the first time. Uh, and true Batman fans would be like, it was Michael Caine. Michael Go played the other Alfred in the first four movies. <laughs> we'll just keep going. Oh Michael God. Go the whole time. So annually, it's Michael always Go. been May 1st, just so you know. Okay, so at least there's a precedent there. There's a reason we have done what we've done. What, we've, what I have I done to yeah. quote Anakin Last Skywalker? Last year was, was May 1st. It was supposed to be May 1st this year. I have no idea where they push it to September. Uh, I mean, I th- maybe one is Batman Day and the other is like the anniversary of Batman, and maybe they just were like, you know what, we can't, we don't have the resources to keep pulling off these Batman events. We got to just know. consolidate it to one day. DC's also been celebrating. Yeah, maybe I don't know. DC celebrates on September nineteenth, but also May first. I don't know. There's a lot of Batman time, so whatever. So Politipop's Bat Month is going to be May from this point to the yeah. End of we've established something. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so so if you haven't listened to last week's episode regarding uh, Batman White Knight, just know that there's going to be a few points from that that are going to be spoiled as we uh, discuss the broad strokes of Curse of the White Knight, which is the sequel. Uh, Ty, did you happen to have a plot for Curse of the White Knight? (laughs) Oh, do I have a plot? This guy with the plots. I've never seen anyone who knows plots as well as this uh, Thai guy. I'm going to tell you, the, the the plot of Curse of the White Knight is not nearly as good as the uh, the plot of White Knight. So I was, like, I was like, oh, this will work for both when I read it last week. But uh, Yeah, it turns out, turns out there's a bit more to it uh, than, than I remembered. Because all I said was, Harley Quinn does more stuff and how we treat our veterans. Batman, Curse of the White Knight. The Joker recruits Azrael to help him expose a shocking secret from the Wayne family's legacy and run Gotham City into the ground. As Batman rushes to protect the city and his loved ones from danger, the mystery of his ancestry unravels and Batman begins to question everything he thought he knew about himself and his place in Gotham. Of course, in the last in the last uh, book, Napier exposed this group of people called the Elites. These are people who are profiting off of uh, the the poor of Gotham and Batman's war on crime, which really is just a war on poor people. Uh, we see that in you know in this in this story, Bruce is a little bit more aware of that at this point. Uh, you know, he's trying to be a little bit more connected, but he is urged, basically blackmailed by this woman named Ruth who who kind of brokers all the shady dealings uh for 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 the quote unquote the elites or you know probably the uh you know the allegory for the 1% is what they are uh so so she basically tells Bruce Wayne that like listen I know who you are and you're going to have to give up being Batman if you expose the elites like we're going to tell everybody who you are or you can keep letting us do what we do not expose the elites and, uh, you know, not not push through the Napier initiative and you get to keep being Batman as long as you continue a uh, war on low level crime. 
and we'll continue doing our thing. So, you know, right now Bruce is is put in a really tough spot because he, for the first time ever, he has to play politics and he can't punch his way out of this situation. And I really I like that that take on it. This take of of like, all right, if if you want to truly do the right thing, you have to give up everything you hold dear to you. And is Bruce willing to do that? Yeah, I think in general they put Bruce in some really interesting uh spots throughout this comic, right? He he a has to do that. B he has to kind of come to terms with his family and what his family really means and like what is what is the Wayne family, you know, represent and and he you know he kind of finds out that he's not really a Wayne, right? That name was was stolen from the true Wayne family and and he's kind of an imposter in, in a regard. But you know they've kind of built up their namesake over the years. Uh, so he, you know, he needs to kind of earn, I guess, what being a Wayne means now. And I think he ultimately has to actually reveal his, his entire identity to Gotham, right? He let, he lets everyone know who he is in order to win their trust because he knows that, you know, hiding behind the mask is no longer getting the job done. And, you know, he has to appeal to people's, you know, uh, senses and, and their, and the good in their heart to kind of let him do the right thing and help him, you know, stop Azrael from from destroying the city and, and taking any more lives, and and he does that. And I thought that was a pretty shocking move. Yeah, I uh, you know, if I were to continue my comparison last week when I said that Batman is representative of law enforcement, you know, here we see what we wish law enforcement would do, which is pretty much just hold themselves accountable. Throughout White Knight, uh, Batman was was fighting back against Napier and the GTO and the GCPD and even his own, you know, his own children because he wanted to do things his way. But in this story, he's finally embraced the fact that his way isn't the right way. He's even seeing it from women like Ruth, who are saying you can continue your your level your war on low level crime, which shows that it just doesn't make a difference that Batman's doing nothing but indulging his own sense of, of, of vengeance. Uh, but he's really not holding the real criminals accountable. And those criminals are his peers, the fellow elites of Gotham city. The Wayne fortune is built on blood and you know, there's kind of a convoluted plot there. We're not going to go into it specifically, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, it turns out that, that the Wayne fortune and the name Wayne was actually stolen by Bruce's ancestors. I see kind of a comparison to the the slavery argument here because we constantly hear like, listen, nobody alive today owned slaves. Nobody alive today was a slave. So let's let it go. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. You know, history doesn't matter, basically. But this is another thing that Bruce has to acknowledge here is that his fortune has has allowed him to wage war on the poor of Gotham City. Right. And it was a stolen fortune. Like he is the original criminal and he is continuing to perpetuate such a, you know, a, a fucked up history and, and, a, and a cycle and 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 you know, finally it gets it gets to the point that, you know, like you said, not only does he give up his identity, but he also makes things right by giving up his fortune to the nonprofits of Gotham right, and right. making sure that it offsets like you know taxpayers basic taxpayers for for years and is able to give everybody a head start like that is what a true hero really is you know him realizing all of the victims of Gotham aren't just people getting their purses snatched you know at at you know 3 a.m. on a Tuesday yeah I mean I, I think absolutely you know we're gonna go into Batman Begins and I think they kind of touch on some of these themes as well 
though I think they kind of go in the opposite direction. But, uh, you know, yeah, the idea that all the good that he could do with that Wayne Fortune and helping the city uh, could go a lot further than, like you said, just beating up, you know, muggers. Yeah, and at the end of the story, you know, Bruce finally does uh, turn himself in. He there's there's a lot of a lot of action, a lot of a lot of great stuff, a lot of really great character moments. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that we're not going into those. That way, people who are listening to this can actually read it and really appreciate the story. Because uh, once again, just Murphy's aesthetic is awesome. His take on on Azriel or Asbat, as he likes to call him, when he takes on the the Batman armor, is is just metal, literally uh, and figuratively. It's, it's Dark Knight's it's, metal. It's, it's Dark Knight's metal. Uh, it's 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 awesome. So definitely like read it just to just to just right, to get right. all the rich details. To quote uh, Jonah Hill from Twenty Two <laughs> Jump Street. But yeah, it ends with Bruce in prison. And uh, and finally, you know, being held uh, accountable for his crimes as Batman. Uh, but I think of his own vo- volition, too. Right. Like he, he purposely turns himself in, which I think is is big because the, the truth is they couldn't get him, you know, if he didn't turn himself in. But he makes that choice. And, uh, you know, they, they definitely deal with some really great concepts in this comic. You know, they, they you know, Azrael is a is a war vet and he's got some demons and there's also a lot of you know obviously religious uh imagery and he's also got some cancer yeah he's got the cancer too so that's that's not cool but yeah you know and uh, you know that's kind of a another take murphy loves to loves to put like you know of like veterans and like military experts and like gun-toting you know badasses in in all of his comics and he gives asriel a whole team here but uh but yeah there is that whole idea of like he is he is enabled by the elites to to take down Batman and ta- you know in doing so taking down Bruce Wayne but once he doesn't do exactly what they want him to do they take away his treatment they take away his resources so he's basically just on a you know on a t- ticking time ticking clock ticking time bomb he's- He's not on a ticking time bomb but he is I guess a so his time cancer bomb? it's a, it's a time bomb uh his his you know his his cancer is gonna fucking kill him is what I'm trying to say, and you know he has to choose his mission over taking orders. And you know right there you kind of have the whole like you're only as good to the system as the last thing you did for them, and as soon as you don't, they'll let you down and leave you out to die. So you know we see some of that in Azrael's story as well. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so just take note that real heroes are are billionaires that redistribute their wealth and turn themselves in. <laughs> To, to pay to pay for their crimes. Well, I mean, I definitely like. I feel like Bruce Wayne's a more likable character by the end of this this series, right? Like he he definitely has come to terms with a lot of his own inadequacies and, and his mistakes. Uh, it brings him he closer together. His privilege. Yeah. yeah, like he becomes closer with his family, right? He finally like really like starts to embrace Barbara and 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 Dick and kind of accept them as like being. His family, because there's like this whole undertone of like you know he lost Jason, and uh, in this series, Dick is actually the second Robin, and I feel like there's always like a lot of animosity. Does that make your blood boil real quick? I mean, it pissed me off, but it it worked. It worked well in this regard because I feel like it kind of explained why he wasn't as close with Dick because I think he was always afraid of losing him the way he lost uh, Jason. So like that was it kind of explained a lot of their relationship. But by the end, I think he's come to terms with things and kind of accepted. Um, you know, Dick and Barbara and, and brought him closer together with them. Yeah, that's he he does he has a lot of growth and you know, just last thing for me is my favorite part of that growth is that he realizes the power isn't supposed to be within him as one person to change the system. The power is with the people. So yeah, when he yeah. does finally admit to being Batman 
and admits to the mistakes that he's made and you know shows that growth and shows that humility and shows the the uh the ability to change that we all should have as as people and as adults uh you know in our ideologies and everything i really can't stress it enough you know i'm rocky fouring it right now if i can change and you could change and batman could change everybody could change uh but you know he he asks the people's permission for him to be batman one last time and bring in asriel and you know he says like clear the streets basically which is interesting because it's the opposite of what the people really should do in in real life which is take to the streets right he says let me handle this clear the streets and they all do it for him because gotham does trust him and i think they trust his honesty first and foremost you know if they'll forgive jack napier for being the joker you know of course they'll forgive bruce wade for being batman you know Everybody loves the Waynes there, right? They just fucking love the Waynes. Like, man. Criminals. Criminals, these Criminals, Waynes. Criminals, these goddamn Waynes. We didn't talk about Harley either. We we really didn't. Um, I, I, I know I said that was my last thing, but it's not my last thing. I'm sorry. Uh, also, just uh, realizing that Gotham was, was built on the blood of the poor. The, the valley was flooded. And uh, there were a lot of people who were left behind in order in order to to make Gotham. And that, to me, is just re- very reminiscent of the United States, you know, that it is built on uh, the, the blood and bones of, you know, namely people of color, you know, indigenous people, enslaved individuals, immigrants. Right. And he, once again, he just has to acknowledge that and move forward. He can't really atone for the sins of the past, but he can he can help change the system to, to help the people in the future. And. You know, that's something that, that we should all be acknowledging. Absolutely. Yeah. What, do you, what, what, did, what did you have for Harley? I was just going to say, you know, Harley uh, continues to be a pretty strong character in this. She's not, you know, a damsel in distress. She's a mother now, and she's willing to defend her, her kids and, you know, help Batman and kind of try to try to save Napier, you know, from the Joker. She still believes he's in there and helps pull him back, you know, from time to time. And I just think it's a really good characterization of Harley, you know, not making her again like this this weak, you know, needing to be rescued constantly kind of character. She's definitely very strong and intelligent, and uh, she's a great motivator. She, like, really helps Bruce actually kind of keep yeah, she steady calls on the on path. Yeah, shit a lot. Yeah, it, there's almost like a weird, I don't know, like, were you getting, like, romantic vibes towards the end a little bit? Because I was. Okay, but, um, <laughs> the, I think... If if we had seen this in live action or something, we definitely would have gotten some romantic vibes. I you think have, so like, too. Know, yeah, John Hamm and whatever you know, young blonde <laughs> chick playing. Her. Yeah, you know they could definitely they could definitely pull that off. I I mean I I understand the the idea of just having like a platonic friend that you're that you're very close to and you know like a confidant with. But I can just as easily hell. I see a romantic relationship in every guy on guy, you know, thing I see. So I, I <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. can see the romantic idea behind. It's possible that Napier and Bruce could be Eskimo brothers. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. That's uh, that's that's, yeah. that's our last thought. For- <laughs> that's, that's like, guys, <laughs> while we talk about oh, we talk about how how progressive uh, the depiction of Harley <laughs> Quinn is. Know that anyone could have fucked her. Really, you know, we're super we're super feminists on this fucking podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm a hack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man! But after I do finish her her uh, her se- her follow up series, which is you know I mentioned it last time, it's a solo series from the White Knight universe. Uh, I will I will definitely check in and see see what they do with her. Then you know while they while they do show her as being 
very capable. And, you know, she's the one who teaches Napier how to fight in the first one. She's the one who actually uh, orchestrated the, you know, him finding out about the medication that would end up making him sane and, you know, kind of, you know, put the pawns in place for that to happen. Uh, she, once again, she's the one who holds who holds everybody accountable, both Napier and Batman. You know, so she, uh, <laughs> she, she is a strong character. However... I don't think this this story still. I don't think it passes the Bechdel test, though. <laughs> like I'm thinking back to some of this stuff, and I was like, yeah, like she only talks to guys or about guys, you know. But I did think she talked to Barbara. She might have, but if she did, it was probably about a guy. I know that like Barbara. I think Montoya and Barbara talk, and it's like, oh, my father would have this. My your father, your father would have that. And she's like, my father, you know, something. Remember like the face things. of your father, Harley. Remember the face of your father. And you folks. too, Barbara. And now on from Curse of the White Knight to the series uh, that that is known as the Dark Knight trilogy. We are starting it off with Batman Begins uh, from 2005. And I just want to put it out there right now that if you look to the sky, not only will you see a signal, uh, which is kind of bat shaped, but you will also see... Well, you'll also hear <laughs> the spoiler warning. That's right, folks. Uh, spoiler warning is in full effect. So if for some reason you haven't seen Batman Begins yet, uh, it's currently on HBO Max. I think it might be on Netflix. Uh, T- 2005 Batman Begins. If you, if you somehow missed it. Batman Begins. <laughs> Go back, watch it. Anyway, whatever, folks. Listen, <laughs> we are ready to uh, to start reviewing Batman Begins as part of our Bat Month special this <laughs> Uh, Sorry, we love Batman here at the Flip Pop Podcast. We just love Batman all year round, and we wanted to celebrate this month because May just feels like a Batman month to me. Uh, So, all right, uh, Ty, what's the plot to Batman Begins? I've been wondering. Batman begins after training with his mentor. Batman begins his fight to free crime-ridden Gotham City from corruption. Very vague, but uh, I think it's pretty accurate. Wait, that was the fucking plot. <laughs> That's the plot. That's the official the plot on IMDb. I, I, I blinked and I missed it, and I wasn't even looking at anything. Yeah, they were like, listen, we don't want... Sp- listen, Chris- <laughs> Sorry, uh, Christopher Nolan does not want spoilers <laughs> in his plots, all right? They're like, don't tell anyone shit about Batman, all right? They got to find it out for themselves. You mean Batman, the like one of the world's biggest icons ever that like everybody knows and he, he permeates all areas of the zeitgeist? He's like, I don't want anyone to know that he's Batman until they see the film. And he's like, Batman Begins? Really, guys? <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. It was called Begins. Well, just put in the synopsis that a, a guy returns to rid the city of crime, I guess. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Do we have to give a plot synopsis? I really want this to shock people. Uh, Batman Begins. Yeah, it's a solid intro, though, I think, for Batman. I mean, obviously, uh, I think a lot of Bat fans have already seen the 1989 Batman or had read the comics, and most people know Bruce Wayne's origin story. It's kind of like Spider-Man by this point, right? But they do a really good job kind of, like, building up not just, like, the murder of the Waynes, but I think Bruce, like, forming who he becomes, how he becomes Batman. And I think the way they delved into that so much, I didn't appreciate it the first time I saw it. Uh, nor the second oh, or third neither, time neither. I saw it, I think, because I was in high school <laughs> and uh, same, and then same. college, and I was just like, I want more fucking supervillains. I want Joker. I want Bane. And don't worry, we get them. We fucking get them. But I think there's something to be said for like this this whole idea of just regular crime, right, in in Gotham City and how it's destroying the people, and and how you know uh, all these people are bought and paid for. It just feels very real. You know, and I think in a way that the other movies will never be able to really pull off. And even though he dresses like a bat towards the end of the film, 
uh, it still feels like a like a reflection of our own world. Well, following up on what we were talking about with the White Knight series, right? Like I, you know, we keep coming back to this idea of the real crime in Gotham is the city being bled dry by the elite, by by you know by organized crime. And in this case, it was it was very. Uh, it was based off of year one, and that was a little more apt for the time. I'm not sure it translates too well to now, uh, but but you still get the idea. You know about the mobster trope and everything, and uh, you know they they stuck. They were very faithful to the comics while also approaching this earnestly and and as realistic as 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 one could. They're answering questions nobody even fucking asked uh, in, in this series. Uh, I was getting ready to graduate high school and started reading more Batman. Like this, this, this movie really spoke to me. And you know, I know, I know it sounds like so broish to say that. Like, yeah, the Nolan movie spoke to me, but uh, you know, I, I've mentioned in previous podcasts how I just wasn't really, I wasn't really like raised to have like empathy for people or understand how a normal person is supposed to act. Yeah, was you had raised. a very Dexter Morgan kind of upbringing. Very Dexter. Tonight's the night. <laughs> it's going to happen again and again. Deb curses a lot. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but 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 yeah. So I, I've I've been on a path to, on a journey to to learn how to be a real boy. And there was some the the biggest thing that sticks out to me about this film is the last line in the film where Gordon says to Batman, he says, "I never thanked you," and Batman goes, "And you'll never have to." Yeah, it's so good. And right there, that to me was like, oh, that's what a fucking hero is. And I right. don't know why it took 18 years to figure it out, but it's you do the right thing regardless of who's thanking you or who's talking shit about you. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and you want to help people. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, like you said, it's a, it's a great line and, it, and it's something that I think we should all – uh, kind of look to right like I, there's one thing like you know when we do things to get a thank you or to get appreciation then it's not authentic right because you're expecting something in return and when you kind of just do something to to do it because it's the right thing or you know you just you just feel like you should i think it has a different feeling to it and i think that's what what bruce is saying here you know it's it's not or Batman saying it because he's really not Bruce Wayne. Uh, he's saying, you know, he's saying you'll never have to thank me because that's not why he's doing it. You know, he's doing it because he wants to make a difference in the city. And you know, for all of his mistakes and and faults, I I do think his heart's in the right place and he is a good man. And you know, whether we agree or not that this is the best way to handle uh, saving Gotham, I think that he is trying to, and that's really important. And and there's a lot of lines in this film that actually stood out to me. A lot more this time, and I think we're very, very memorable. You know, uh, Rachel's line, right? It's it's not who you are underneath, but it's what you do that defines you. And you know, that's that's a line that Bruce uses back later. And I think that's also another one. You know, we can all say, "Hey, I'm a good person," right? Look at the police, right? Cops are like, "I'm a good cop." You know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm not I'm not a bad apple. But if they just stand there while a cop kneels on someone's neck and lets them die, then are they really? You know, is what's the defining moment? Is it them? you know, saying they're a good person underneath or actually doing something to stop, stop that from happening. So I think, you know, that's a really important line too, because it, it is our actions that kind of define us and, and let people know who we really are. You know, are you going to stand there and let bad things happen? Or are you going to make a stand? Yeah. I mean, I also see a lot from this movie that's kind of like, 
kind of like a playbook on on resisting. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Bruce specifically says, uh, you know, people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And when we think about, you know, let's talk about holding police accountable. Let's talk about Black Lives Matter. You know, we see these horrible snuff films, but these are also the videos that are getting people to take to the streets and getting people to, as Batman says, rattle the cages. And he knows it's not the low level uh, criminals that need to have their cages rattled. He's talking about the judges who are bought and paid for. He's talking about the mob bosses. He's talking about Falcone. He's talking about the, the, the dirty cops that Gordon's working with Flass in this case. Um, You know, he, it's, it's, it's great to see that sort of nuance because Sometimes we see it in Batman stories and sometimes we don't. But, right. you know, I alluded to it last week and I'm going to mention it now when he's talking to Ducard, not really Ducard, at the beginning of the, the movie, he says, uh, he says, have you lost a lot of your assumptions about the difference between right and wrong? And Bruce says the first time I stole so that I wouldn't have to starve. Yes. So, you know, we see that he's going back to a Gotham where a lot of people are hurting, but he's aware of the difference between stealing to survive and dispensing a a psychotropic hallucinogen throughout the narrows and, you know, using a microwave (laughs) emitter to to drive everyone insane. You know, he he can make that distinction. It's a very thin line. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, yeah, you mentioned that towards the end, it gets very comic booky, but... Uh, you know, a lot of the things he's fighting, like you said, are corruption, are, you know, regular crime bosses. This is stuff that you could see in the real world. You know, you could see it in, in New York City, right? Like, I mean, especially in like, uh, what was it, the 70s where crime was really high. You know, I'm sure that kind of stuff, you know, happened, right? It happens today where politicians are bought and paid for. And, you know, there there is so much corruption. And there's a... There's a line that Falcone says to to Bruce when he confronts him uh, after the murder of Joe Chill, you know, and Falcone says, well, "Come you down know, here with your anger." Yeah, yeah not that one, but yes, <laughs> oh, that one. you know, he tells him to look around the room. Right, he's like, "There's judges, there's cops, there's you know, everyone that's that's important in Gotham City. They're they're represented there in his little club," and you know, he says that kind of power can't be bought with money, but with fear. And well, yeah, because he says that he would have no hesitations about blowing Bruce away right there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's <laughs> kind of the motivator. Bruce needs to become Batman, right? Because he realizes he has the money, he has some power, but he doesn't have people's fear, right? No one's going to fear Bruce Wayne, but they can fear the Batman, and he disappears for 70 years to train uh, in the mystical ninja arts with Ra's cool and then he comes back yes, as Batman. <laughs> Uh, you know maybe I, maybe Falcone didn't mean that exactly, but you know he, <laughs> he was like he was like, Don't come down here with your anger trying to prove something to yourself. Go train with Ras Al Ghul, okay? Go learn how fear works for you, all right? Go become to, a go fucking decide. ninja and then we'll talk. <laughs> That's how I got here. You gotta, you gotta feel the fear before a crime, and you gotta feel the success after you pull off the fucking crime. <laughs> all right. That's right. But, but no, like you know, like one of the things is that Bruce feels like he has nothing to lose because he's already lost his parents, and you know that was such a traumatizing moment for him that he's been just taken over with a wave of of anger and and you know self pity and just just not he's a shell of his former self and you know he feels like he can do whatever it takes because he's not afraid to die i don't think bruce is worried about himself but you know once falcone's like what about your little friend right talking about rachel or your butler you know alfred those are there are still people that he cares about in this world 
and they can be taken from they can they can be hurt and so he needs to wear a mask in order to protect them right he has to create this this new persona and that's why people can't know that bruce wayne is competent that's why when he comes back seven years later uh that bruce wayne is you know this drunken idiot who who you know is has models with him he buys the hotel and he's kind of a little bit of a jerk at times you know because he's just this this idiot playboy billionaire and people can't realize he's a competent ninja he is the most competent ninja I've ever seen. Apparently, he fucking defeats the entire League of Shadows. He's like, he's like, he, he trains for seven years and he's better than all of them. At the graduation ceremony, he just wrecks. <laughs> he was valedictorian of the League of Shadows. And... Bruce, make your speech. <laughs> I uh, won't kill unless anyone is still in this this, this house in three minutes. If you're still well, here, you're dead. Ken Watanabe gets fucking squished. (laughs) That is a good point, though, because, like, you know, early on, there's never, like, an an instant, like, he will never kill kind of thing. Because he's going to shoot Joe Chill, right? Like, he's got a gun. He's ready to kill Joe Chill. And then uh, Falcone assassinates him first, so he doesn't have to. But, like, there's so many points throughout this movie and throughout all three films where... He like chooses not to save someone and let and lets them die, and that's his way of being like, I didn't fucking kill him. They died on their own. Like, <laughs> what? What do you mean? Like, what the train mean? crashed. What? The house burned down. It felt like it felt like it's not my fault. I could only save the kid, or I could save Harvey. What did you want me to fucking do? Yeah. What do you want? What do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, what right? do you want me to do? Exactly. I, I couldn't save him. So so there there's there's also a character study that's not necessarily related to social social justice for me, but uh, I've 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 empathized with Batman on a very personal level since you know kind of taking him as like my favorite hero. And uh, and part of Batman's journey is a journey of, you know, kind of confronting your own demons. And it's a story about about confronting your fears and realizing your traumas. And also it it is a story about uh, about growth. And I I will also say that it is a story about mental health. We'll see that in the in this movie, Batman Begins, it starts with Bruce falling down into this hole and being traumatized. And it's his father who has to be the one to take him to take him up to 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 help him but ultimately this is something that Bruce never really got over and right. you know it's it you know we'll I'll finish that thread back in the dark in the dark night rises why do we fall Bruce so that we can learn to pick ourselves up I, I just like the idea of someone kind of confronting stuff that's difficult to confront and being like all right I'm going to make this a part of me instead of instead of shying away from it and, you know, once again, that gives him an insight into the criminal element, too, because, I mean, it takes him a bit to realize that not all criminals are superstitious and cowardly, uh, but but he he learns firsthand. And that's that's kind of one of the great things about Batman just as a character is that he is obviously the best martial artist in the world, arguably, but he's also counting on the fact that these guys, these low level thugs are going to be nervous and they're going to miss uh, shooting at him. They're going to aim for his Cape and not aim for him. Like, you know, just him having that mental edge on people is, is what I really love about Batman as a character and using that mental edge to always get the upper hand when he may not physically be able to. Right. Right. I wanted to talk about Wayne and enterprises real quick. Uh, because, you know, we see that Mr. Earl at the beginning when Bruce's parents die, he says, we'll have somebody looking over the empire for you. And and we see that just from the very beginning, 
that capitalism is something that thrives when one person is at the top and many people are at the bottom because that is literally what an empire is. It's it's not yeah. a democracy. And you know, and we see that that Wayne Enterprises con- continues to be on the downfall after, you know, like the one good dude who fucking worked there. Uh dies i mean there are a few people trying to maintain the legacy uh as mr earl takes the the company public uh but you know while but they're they're you know they're outvoted they're not the majority shareholders and you know once again it is capitalism that kind of takes wayne enterprises to this dark place where it's doing weapons manufacturing instead of you know yeah i was gonna did they they you know explicitly state when they started doing that because a lot of those projects were scrapped right they're not even using them but they're they're creating you know armor for soldiers or they're creating tanks pretty much you know all kinds of weaponry was that something that was not started when thomas wayne was there yeah, yeah, when Thomas Wayne was there. I mean, I would like to say it wasn't, but also he does tell Bruce that he leaves the running of the company to much more interested men. Right. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that was happening under his nose, which, you know, once again shows that even if you have a good person who is, you know, just drenched in privilege, they will still not make great decisions just based out of ignorance alone because they're just not aware. Like he's like, oh, well, we put a train here so everybody can can be united you know we're going to unite the city but also who knows when the weapons thing started at at wayne enterprises you know luckily they they started soon enough uh that bruce was able to take advantage of all the scrapped projects uh, in in r&d yeah which is it was pretty amusing when he's trying to tell lucius fox all the reasons that he's using it for and fox is eventually like listen you don't want to tell me what it's for that's fine i don't have to lie about it but don't think me an idiot you know and he's like all right all right fair enough you know he's spelunking so he needs uh this bulletproof armor you know it's it gets uh, pretty ridiculous and it, it's clear why to a lot of gunfire in these caves mr wayne yeah you know it's like all right yeah he had to trust him pretty early on if he was gonna make this work so uh what else about this i, I was gonna just mention like there's i don't always agree though with the message of this film so like one of the things they try to kind of hammer home is that you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne were really good people, right? They were these great people who love the city and they were always trying to find ways to help the citizens and, and make it a better place. But because they did that, they put themselves in harm's way and they were killed by one of the very people they were trying to help. Like Joe Chill killed them, even though arguably they were, they were you know, they were trying to say they were doing more for him than anyone else in the city would. And this, this kind of leads to you know, a lot of different people taking different paths along the way, such as, you know, Bruce becoming Batman, uh, Ra's al Ghul deciding the city can't be saved and having to destroy it, um, you know, and I feel like that's not really accurate, you know, and uh, maybe, you know, I'm sure Thomas was helping the city, you know, he made this this train, <laughs> he made this train to help everybody out, but... With his own bare hands, old but, Thomas Wayne. You know, maybe, maybe if they took those billions of dollars and they created affordable housing, or rent-controlled housing, or, uh, you know, a community land trust, uh, you know, or provided, you know, additional jobs, or or some sort of uh, socialized medicine for the city, or maybe a universal basic income for everyone. Like, there's all these different things that I think the Waynes could have done for just Gotham City. I'm not even talking about for the United States, right? Just for Gotham City that I think they could have done without, without bankrupting themselves. Because clearly they have a lot of money and they're very successful and the people of Gotham love them. And I think had they done that, they could have avoided things like, you know, having Joe Chill 
desperate enough to to kill them for for money. And you know, instead of just these very like I don't know these typical like look what we're doing. You know, we're putting money back into the city. But I think it's more of not just putting money into the city, but it's how you're distributing it. And I think that's that's a really important distinct distinction that they don't make here, and a that lot Bruce of could have vanity do. Vanity projects. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that that kind of was what the train was. And you know, I, I just want to piggyback off this idea of of you saying like, you know, they're not necessarily bad people; they just don't know. And you know, that is that is the problem. That's what we talked about last week. That you just can't have the wealthy being the people to make decisions. There's no reason why we should vote you know, a wealthy person into the United States uh, presidential office. The, the, it's just ridiculous that we have so many people in Congress who are who the wealth gap is is insane between them and us. And yet they're passing legislation that's going to impact the working class. Yeah, exactly. That is dangerous. And even if the intentions are good, bad things still happen. You know, even if you have someone saying like, well, we need to you know, we need to end crime. All right, well, let's do the 1994 crime bill that's tough on criminals. You know, instead of, like you said, providing resources to communities that have been historically disinvested in and then being able to, you know, to provide options to people so they don't always turn to crime. Um, or changing the laws so that not every little fucking thing they do right, is right. is a crime. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think healthcare, housing, you know, uh, stable money would go a long way further than uh, you know Wayne Tower being the center of the city and being a symbol. <laughs> you know, he's like, look, the train goes straight to Wayne Tower. It's the heart of the city, so everyone can look up and see the billionaires. I mean, see us. You know, it's just kind of like. We to me, own it's, you. It, it just shows like how, yeah, look, it just shows how disconnected they are from reality that they feel like this is a symbol of hope. And again, I know the Waynes are Gotham's family, right? People love them because they feel like it, it's their people. And I think it's another one of those situations where people probably go, look, we could be the Waynes someday, right? Like we could, we can make it there, but it doesn't happen. That doesn't, that's not realistic. And the Waynes, again, being good people. Like, I really honestly believe they are good people. You know, Thomas Wayne, he works at a hospital. He doesn't even need to, but he does. And he wants to help people with his hands, right? He's a surgeon who can save lives. And that's always a big part of his his character, his lore. And, you know, I, I do think he wants to help the city. But, you know, had they had they made some different choices, they could have done, they could have done that. And I think Bruce could easily fix this easily make these decisions himself yeah but he didn't learn about economics he learned karate uh, he learned he's, a, he's a ninja a competent ninja <laughs> he's the most competent ninja you've ever seen uh but yeah and you know i i understand what you're trying to say too like oh i understand they're gotham's family i understand they're good people uh you know like we're like we're like we're actually like like we're coming out against you know megan markle and, and, and i'm just i'm just waiting right for now. people to be like, like the waynes have always been good since the 1930s the They've been <laughs> the Waynes didn't deserve what happened to them. No, not, not to at say, all. Yeah, and yeah, and I know you're not saying that, but like I just want to outline the fact that like it's not that oh well you didn't help the city the right way and so you get killed, but it's you know maybe if you were connected to the city in a different way, right. you would have seen the people who needed help, and instead of having 
10 Joe Chills on every block, you have three Joe Chills on every block. And your 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 <laughs> probability of being shot in Gotham. Yeah. I don't know why he was hanging out at such a fancy opera house. Uh but you probably Oh, that's one of my critiques I was gonna bring up next. <laughs> shot in Gotham goes, let's take our son to the opera. Of course you're fucking disconnected, uh fucking Thomas. But th- this film almost has that message that like because they tried to help the city, that's why they were killed. Like I think someone literally says it. I don't know if it's Falcone or Raza Ghoul. But Russell Gould says they were gunned down by the very people they were trying to Yeah, and I, I like just that, I but. think that's just such a wrong message. I know he's the villain, but in a way Bruce kind of takes that message to heart by becoming Batman, right? Cuz he feels like the only way to stop them is to beat the shit out of them as a bat ninja. Yeah, Bruce uh competent bat ninja. Bruce doesn't uh he doesn't question anything else about the League of Shadows teachings, which I find hilarious. Like he he takes everything and then at the very end where he's like, "Oh, by the way, you got to drink this Kool-Aid. Like, you know, that's like that's like joining a cult and being like, oh, you know, I like everything but this. Yeah. They're like, you got to chop this dude's head off. He's like, oh, wait, I didn't know there was killing involved. They're like, why do you think you learned how to fight with swords and throwing knives and, like, all these other <laughs> Poison, deadly... Poison, Yeah, <laughs> you fucking idiots. What did you think was going to happen here? We called this... All right, Bruce, we call this sleepy juice. What you do is you just drip the sleepy juice in the person's tea when they're not looking, and they go right to sleep. And, and you know, in the comics, obviously... Obviously, Batman is trained not just by, like, one person, right? He trains all over the world. He, he, he takes all these different skills, and he, that's how he becomes so effective. But, like, according to this movie, besides, like, you know, like, getting thrown in prison all over the place, he really just trained with the League, and it's kind of interesting that he's, like, so much better than all of them. I'm like, huh, interesting. I can't really back that up. So let's go back to the opera house real quick because, like, so they're in this really fancy opera house, right? And Bruce is like, let's get out of here. And his dad's all like, yeah, you got it, bud. And they go out the door and they're in this fucking, like, dilapidated alleyway that's, like, covered in graffiti and dirt. And, like, there's totally a guy with a gun there. It's so obvious. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, even even Thomas knows right away. He's like, let's, let's go, guys. Like, 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 so I can go. I'm just like, what? Step along, Bruce. Come on, I'm, buddy. <laughs> like, who designed this place? Like, like I like I understand, you know, you, you can't, like, patrol the streets. But, you know, typically I feel like when you leave, like, a place like that, you you wouldn't, you know, if you have all these upscale rich people of, of Gotham, there'd be... Uh, either some sort of security outside or, you know, the police would be patrolling it more. I will I say know. that I'm surprised they didn't they didn't really have security around there. Yeah. But to to follow up on, on what you said about, like, you know, one side's an opera house and the other side is this disgusting, dilapidated alley, that's a great commentary. You know, it is a great commentary, uh, yeah. You know, you talk about how, like, you know, capitalism thrives, once again, on the few at the top and the many on, on the bottom living in terrible conditions. And, you know, we were listening to Rev Left Radio and discussing that, uh, you know, when they were discussing discussing that, saying, like, just think about every major city and you'll see, like, the pinnacle of human uh, ingenuity and civilization and all these amazing skyscrapers and lights and and ads and 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 all the stores and it's beautiful and everyone's having a great time and literally one block over or less you'll see some dude begging for change uh, you know living out of a tent if he's yep. lucky however in new york instead you know we would have actually had the security there as opposed to gotham city we literally we have fucking I mean, I haven't been in, through Penn Station in a while, but just, you know how, like, we're always walking around and there's always cops just with, with rifles? Yeah. Just chilling, like, on every block, like, there's going to be a terror attack at any second. Well, I've heard that crime is up a lot in the city, 
And I've heard multiple reasons for why, you know, obviously the pandemic putting people out of work. Okay, got it. New York. Yep, yep, yep. And a lot of people, you know, uh, being um, not, you know, moving out of the city or not like going out as much. There's not as many people walking around. So, you know, uh, but I've also heard that a lot of police are not actually patrolling because they're like almost on strike because of all the Black Lives Matter protests. That's, you know, unconfirmed. I can't, I don't have a source for that, but that's something that I have heard. And I wouldn't be fucking surprised, right? They're, so, like, they're like, fuck it. Let people get shot, and then they're going to see they need the cops. All right? Fuck Black Lives Matters. <laughs> they mentioned on the Daily Zeitgeist uh, about that happening in California, actually, that, like, that uh, certain crimes they just won't show up to or certain calls they yeah. just won't show yep. up to. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, in some places it's because cops have left uh, some places where they've decided to, de- to defund the police, cops have just outright left. Uh, you know, from what I understand, defund never meant lower their salaries, but it no. meant like, okay, they don't need all this money for ordinance this year. They're not going to get the Batman tech. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to get this year's uh, Batmobile. They had to stick with last year's, uh, the Tumblr. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Hess trucks, you know, they, they get them all every year. <laughs> for Christmas this year. The cop trucks here, but uh, <laughs> and we know yeah, New York like, City is not defunded. I mean, that's that that has not happened. So it's just weird to see so many people who are held up as being heroes who serve and protect turn out to be very petty. Turn right. out to be people who are like you know a vengeful parent who's like, you know what? If you don't appreciate what we do for you, then we're just not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I sound just like Bob's wife from Bob's Burgers. All right, but um, but you got to try and defund us. We don't want it, Bob. Um, but yeah, it's. It's so telling. The mask is off right now, and and it's it's very frightening too. Like you you think you'd want people who are more like, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing my job regardless because I believe in in serving and protecting people. Right. If you're really a good person, that's what you're gonna do. Yeah. To be like, oh, if you're not gonna appreciate us, we're not gonna show up. Like, why are you proving everybody right that you're fucking assholes? Exactly. Why would you do that? Exactly. You know, now now is the time to prove everybody wrong. To be like, listen, like we, you know, we we aren't what you say we are, and you know, we are gonna i don't know work overtime to to help i don't know it's it's not gonna happen you know once in a while we'll see that a cop ran into a burning building or that a cop was stabbed or that you know a cop lost their life and you know that's supposed to offset all of the other stuff uh that you know a few cops are victims of stuff so it's supposed to offset the fact that there's so many oppressors on the force we've we've literally seen the 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 police union uh, head, and I believe it was New York for the NYPD, you know, talking about how, you know, oh, it's an attack on police. You're trying to defund us. You know, you don't appreciate us. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. How is this who you are? You know, it just goes to show you never really cared about, quote unquote, being a hero or helping the community or, or anything like that. It's disgusting. It's petulant. It's childish. I mean, my last, I guess I just have a couple last thoughts for the movie. Uh, you know, so Raza Ghoul, you know, he's obviously got this plan of murdering all of Gotham by using uh, Scarecrow, you know, Dr. Crane. And obviously he's wrong in doing so, but I... He just I, gives I, Scarecrow I, one gun and a shitload of ammo and like, a list. Godspeed, like, man. <laughs> go scare the fuck out. He's doing like a Monsters, Inc. thing. I got this door. He's just going to give him a glove full of broken glass. He's like, I killed a wolf with this once. Yeah. (laughs) You kill all of Gotham's residents. (laughs) And uh... (laughs) he goes, if you get caught, you may want to take your own life. And he just gives him like a hammer. And he's here, (laughs) take this. (laughs) But yeah, so like Ra's plan is pretty 
barbaric. But at the same time, I think that, you know, if he had taken a slightly different path, you know, he was trying to make a difference in the world, I guess, in his own weird way, right? Like, he does want to save... He wants to stop crime. He wants to stop evil. Like, that's, you know, he's trying to, like, kind of, like, reset the balance. Unfortunately, his answer is fucking kill everybody. So it's it's not a, it's not a good response. He's like, come on, Bruce, why aren't you into this? And even though it's Bruce's, you know, city, <laughs> he's like, come on, just fucking kill everybody. Um, so that, yeah, that's It's like that's he sprung a threesome plan. on Bruce last minute. Yeah. Like, hey, I have yeah. a friend coming over later, and he's like, He's like, whoa. He's like, I cannot abide by this. He's like, Bruce, come on. You're my finest pupil. I could I thought you were cool with this. Becky is only going to be here for another two hours. Like, what's the problem, man? It's like, uh, Come God. on. Be cool, Bruce. Something that's very unfortunate is now that I look back at a lot of these films, I do take the side of the villains. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, once again, like, Bruce is just the, you know, the myopic capitalist dude who, who thinks he's making a difference while he's not really fighting, you know, the real villains. Uh, however, it is always great to see, especially in this and the next movie, you know, to see him just fucking d- destroying police cars and beating the shit out of cops. That's always fun. But Roz, like, I get what he's going at. Roz in the comics, or Raish, depending on what pronunciation you want to go with. If you want to go with the real one, Raish. Uh, but Roz Al Ghul is, uh, in the comics, he's more of an eco-terrorist who's trying to maintain balance through extreme means, and he's less like, I'm going to have everyone in Gotham kill themselves, and it's going to be a purge. Like... Uh, you know, I think he he would realize more uh, the bigger picture. And this he literally says criminals thrive on the indulgence of society's understanding. And that right there just my, made my stomach turn a little bit because, it, you know, it was very conservative to me. Like, oh, like, you know, they, they take it too easy on the criminals. They take it too easy on these people. You know, they should do this. We should have right. the death penalty, stuff like that. Like, that's what Roz represented in this to me. And yeah, I, I'm did. not a. Yeah, I, I wasn't a I wasn't a fan of that. But what I was a fan of is him saying that you know, as one person, you're you're bound to make less of a difference than if you devote yourself to an ideal, which is what we've what we've uh, preached on the podcast multiple times. That you know, we really shouldn't put our faith in people. We should put our faith in in ideals, and you know, because that way anybody can be Batman. As long as yeah, they have all the resources yeah. and to become a competent ninja, the, he he teaches Bruce the theatricality and, and tricks and all that, right? Doesn't Bane criticize and deception? Yeah, doesn't yes. doesn't Bane criticize that in the third one? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's because he says theatricality and deception are powerful agents to the uninitiated. Okay. okay. So when he tries to, so Bruce has been using those tricks on people in Gotham. They're like, oh, smoke, get the fuck out of here, right, and then right, you know, right, okay. and then he punches him in the head, but he throws smoke at Bane, and Bane's like, oh. Okay, you know I'm a more competent ninja, but like that's <laughs> everyone's a crooked ninja. Everyone's a crooked ninja. Everyone's a crooked cop. Uh, what do you have for Ms. Rachel Dawes? So you know, I know there's a lot of criticism of Katie Holmes when this movie first came out. You know, people didn't particularly love her character in this, uh, and I remember not. I will thinking... never critique her uh, just because of being a victim of Tom Cruise. But but that being said, how <laughs> true, was her true. acting? <laughs> uh, so, like, when I first saw this film, I thought she was pretty bland, right? Of all Batman's love interests, he's got, like, Catwoman, and uh, he's got, uh, what's her name, uh, Vicky Vale, right? Like, he's got, like, all these, like, you know, some more, like, I don't know, interesting... Uh, he's got Catwoman, he's got Vicky Vale, he's got Silver St. Cloud. He's got Talia al Ghul, he's got, all, you he's know, all these, these kind of more interesting... Uh, characters and I, th- I thought Rachel was a little bland, you know. 
But uh, you know, rewatching, I thought I liked her idealism. You know, she's she's obviously like uh, I guess she's a DA or works at the DA's office, and she's yeah, she's you know, a lot more realistic and grounded too. <laughs> yeah, you know, and she's trying to take down crime, and and you know, I appreciate that she can't be bought. Right at one point, they're like, "Well, we just buy her," and like, "Not this one," you know. Um, she she really believes in in trying to fight crime, and I thought that was and great. in using the system to do it, and that's kinda, right. That's a right. big part where her and Bruce kind of part ways, and I think where Gordon kind of helps them meet in the middle. But unfortunately, as a character, I did find her still pretty bland. And uh, I really hated her last couple scenes with Bruce because, like, <laughs> she... Earlier in the movie, you know, when, when she finds out Bruce was going to shoot Joe Chill, she slaps him, and she's trying to, like, tell him to help her save the city, showing him the crime around there. And then he comes back to Gotham, right, and he's trying to make a difference. And she has that moment at the end, I think I texted you about it, where she like she walks up to him and she's like, I never stopped thinking about you. I never stopped thinking about us. And she kisses him passionately. And she's like, but then I realized that you never really came back and that you're wearing a mask and that you're Batman. If you slow just, it down, you could see the exact moment where Bruce Wayne's heart shatters. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? That was really, really messed up. Like, wow. Like I could not believe that like, shit. I would give myself to you right now and have passionate sex with you if you could promise me that you could give up being Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck was that, you know? So it was it was kind of weird. That was definitely a weird turn. Uh, so I want to be like, he is here. He's helping the city, damn it. It's what you wanted, isn't it? I know not exactly this way, but... Uh, and, and you know, I, I don't know. It just it was interesting to me, but uh, I thought it was kind of funny. And we'll, f- and we'll find out uh, next week that, like... It's kind of bullshit that she doesn't want to date a guy who's constantly putting himself in the line of fire. Oh, yeah, it's totally bullshit. It's <laughs> like, just admit you're not into him anymore. Just fucking say, it's okay. Like, he wasn't even put, He wasn't even trying to go out with her. She's the one that kissed him. It's so weird. That's very true. He's it's like, some really weird like, writing um, from Nolan. And, I'm and balling fucking models left and right. Like, you know, it's fine. I could get that out of the way and then be Batman with the rest of my time. Yeah, like, he obviously cares about her, and he was like, this isn't me. You know, he doesn't want her to think he is just a stupid billionaire you know, playboy but at the same time it wasn't like trying to restart his relationship with her so they they kind of forced that in there i think to to kind of move the narrative of the dark knight a little bit which you know obviously does work in that film but it, it was just a little weirdly it just felt really odd that she just walks up and kisses him and i think it was kind of a, almost a disservice to her character really to make her do that did they have a romantic thing before he even went away no they never mentioned it they said they were childhood friends and they obviously cared about each other. Huh. And I think there was probably some attraction there, but there was never There was more attraction it. between Batman and Harley Quinn and Curse of the White Knight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Between Rachel Dawes and Bruce Wayne. I mean, yep. you know how, unfortunately, they, they always do the whole, like, romantic interest and storyline, whatever. Right. But, uh, yeah, they also did a little bit of uh, Zack Snyder Man of Steel logic where... She has to find her way onto the narrow, like the narrowest part of the island, just as everything's happening at the end. You know, I'm a DA. Let me through. I was like, all right, fuck it. Um, I had a few final thought. The inmates pouring chemicals into the water was very reminiscent of uh, inmates making hand sanitizer to me. Uh, you know right. how you have a, uh, you know, just they they seem to be using the mentally ill and, and disenfranchised people to do a lot of their bidding in this movie. Uh, I was surprised they made Gary Oldman carry a human body because it looks like he's actually cradling Katie Holmes's body or at least a stunt double on his way out of that asylum. <laughs> I was blown away that they made Gary Oldman do that. Uh, or maybe they just threw a mustache on a guy. And uh, there's no way buying a hotel works that way. 
Those were my. I know. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? He just gives this guy a check, and the guy's like, I don't own this place. I'm the manager. <laughs> yeah, like he's not the one to even make that call. Like you don't just. <laughs> Can don't you imagine? Do that. He, he calls the owner. He's like, I sold the hotel. The guy's like, what? Sorry, Hilton. <laughs> it was a great price. I sold the hotel. <laughs> it's like walking into a car dealership, writing a number on a check, and be like, I'm buying this car. And they're like, okay, there's like a lot of paperwork, <laughs> yeah, there's credit I, checks. It doesn't work like that. Like. <laughs> Oh, this is ridiculous, uh, but uh, but yeah. So I think I think that concludes the the uh, Batman Begins for us, and Beautiful. also Curse of the White Knight. Next week we will be reviewing The Dark Knight, uh, my favorite movie, if not one of my favorite movies. I literally have a line from it tattooed on my, my body. But uh, until then, for the Politipop Podcast, I have been Mike Booch. I have been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're reading, no matter what you're listening to, never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And scene. All right, I'll make that work. <laughs>